Hello and welcome to Audio Evidence. I'm your host, Nacho J. Palmieri. Audio Evidence is an archive of diverse soundscapes. This audio series is inspired by the life's work of my mother, Chiori Santiago. Volume 4 of Audio Evidence is a special Mother's Day tribute to my mother, Chiori Santiago, who also serves as the inspiration for this sound series. The audio you will hear in this episode is a digitally constructed conversation between my mother and I that was originally released in April of 2017 for my initial podcast, The Uncle Nacho Show. At that time, it served as a decade-long tribute from when she had passed away. The recordings of my mother's voice come from old tapes I had found in our shed after she passed in 2007. Some of the clips come from a radio program she was on titled Audio Evidence, which became the namesake for this series. I cherish the resilience of this specific audio evidence of my mother's voice since it originated from tape recordings found in a Berkeley shed to a soundscape for the Oakland Museum's Dio de los Muertos installation in the fall of 2007, to a SoundCloud podcast, to being unavailable online, to resurfacing and being downloaded in order to share it again on new platforms. The topics that Chiri touches upon still seem relevant to me, even in this time of quarantining due to COVID-19 especially when we reference the digital revolution and created culture that you get from a computer. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy these capsules of sound. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Mom. Why don't you introduce yourself and let people know what you're into? I'm Chiori Santiago for Audio Evidence. My favorite things, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Okay, cool. Me too. Well, jumping into some of your personal background, you were born in Chicago, raised in Pakistan, and then moved to the Bay Area as a child. As an adult, you followed in the tradition of your family and becoming a writer, eventually working at the Oakland Museum. Could you tell us a little bit about the Oakland Museum? Well, architecturally even, the Oakland Museum was created to be a place where people ran around, where people accessed the museum and used it as more than a place to view artifacts, but also as a place to meet, to have a picnic, to bring their kids. So I see that the museum is really centered on community, and I know that you were always involved in your local Bay Area arts community. Could you highlight some projects you found important that have impacted your community? It seems that everywhere I look nowadays, you see quilts as an expression of of the feelings of a community. We have the AIDS quilt, of course, the Quilt of Tears. There's another community quilt project in Oakland, which uh, honors grandmothers who are parenting their grandkids. Quilts are more than bedclothes. They're symbols about the life of materials, things that, that have that hold a memory, whether they're pieces of quilts or other b- bits and pieces that somehow convey an emotion. We can think of, of things like quilts and objects made from used materials as, as really symbols of survival. As Eli mentioned, in the African-American community, improvisation was a concept that was supported. You had to learn to improvise, to be resourceful, just to survive. Hey, shout out to Eli. And going back to your work with the museum, you were part of the Bay Area art scene for most of your career as a freelance journalist. Could you shed any insight on the challenges you think artists face today? I think part of the problem that these artists face is that they have been restricted by traditional categories. What do you do with this work? It seems to me that at this point, museums are forced to try to uh, come to terms with what is high, what is low, how do I gain some kind of populist audience appeal to get people into my museum and at the same time satisfy the necessary elitism that defines good art. 
I hear that. Could you elaborate on what you mean about the relationship between high and low art, and perhaps how it relates to the history of the Pacific Northwest? This uh, uh, this dichotomy between high art and low art, this questioning, and look, what was the environment then? You're talking about a post-apocalyptic vision. You have people who are afraid of destruction. At the same time, we're out here at the very edge of the American universe. We're here at the Pacific West. Everything is wide open, and I imagine after you've come through a period of destruction, anything goes. There then becomes huge potential, great possibility. Mm, for sure, I really dig that notion of huge potential and great possibility. I wonder what you think about the digital revolution that's taken place over the last few decades. Like we have uh, the di- digital manipulation of photography, what's real and what isn't, and what really happened and what didn't. I just finished taking a uh, you know one course in multimedia at Hayward State with Jim Petrillo, something that I'm planning to pursue. I mean, to me, it's just another tool. It's no, there's no great mystery to it. But I do think my concern is that. I see this huge potential with this stuff that can easily go the way of television. You know, pub- the stuff that we get in the tube, which I think is very limited because it follows an industrial mode. It follows a, you know, a, a, a mass media, you know, how do we reach the most people kind of mode. And I can see that easily happening with CD-ROM. It is happening. And I think that if artists don't get involved or thinking people, historians, you can have a, a great potential that does nothing. And so that's why I'm interested in all of this created culture that you get through a computer. I just got a modem the other day. This tells you how computer illiterate I really am. I just got a modem. We got our little freebie American Online thing. And I found myself in those little chat rooms having the most boring, inane discussions with people I don't know, sacrificing time I could be spending with friends I love talking about really interesting things. Why was I doing that? Well, I think you were doing that as a social experiment and utilizing the new technology that was at your fingertips. However, since you've been gone, that impersonal phenomenon has come to control our global culture as a human race and certainly impacts how people use their presence in cyberspace. It really is fascinating, and I completely agree with you that artists and thinkers of alternative backgrounds need a voice in the way technology shapes our societies, otherwise we face a very bleak and industrial future. It's truly amazing to me that in the 10 years since you've passed, the digital format of CD-ROMs, as you mentioned, have basically become extinct, and AOL as a company has almost collapsed. Do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share with the audience about this sort of created digital culture you referenced earlier? That this is a way of getting people to think in different terms Mm -hmm. about what's around them in general. I mean, I think we have sort of a cult of newness that allows us to throw away all kinds of creativity, whether it's people or ideas in, in this society. <laughs> Damn, Mom, that was pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to hear some music, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Audio Evidence, I'm Chiori Santiago. Wow, 
Well, thanks, Mom, for being on the show in a retroactively vocal and spiritual way. <laughs> I hope you and your homies appreciate this episode wherever you are. And for everyone else who's tuned into this digital experiment, I hope you got a kick out of it as well. Holla. And that was volume four of Audio Evidence. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.